0: Hello there, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Smashing Crossbar Podcast. A little bit different tonight, isn't it? I'm into doing the introductions, and there is no Josh Head to be seen. Josh is unfortunately out tonight due to uh, um, an emergency, and um, he's passed the torch over to me to uh, start the hosting duties for this one. Before we do get into uh, introducing our guests for tonight, we just want to acknowledge that uh, before we start today's podcast, we want to recognize that Thursday, the 10th of September, today... Is Are You OK Day? For all those that don't know, Are You OK? Vision is a world where we're all connected and are protected from suicide. With the mission to inspire and empower everyone to meaningfully connect with people around them and support anyone struggling in life. We've all done it before. We've all asked a friend or someone else in our life uh, if they are OK, only to receive the response, "No, I'm not." and are stuck on what to say next or how we can help further. Knowing what to say next is the key. A conversation could change a life. So don't put yourself in that position. Know what to say next. Go and check out all the information on ruok.org.au for all the information. All right, with that out of the way, guys, we shall now introduce our guests, and we have a whole plethora of them today. So first of all, I would like to introduce to you guys, we have Jay and Leb from the All Out West podcast. How are we doing,
1: lads? Hey, girls. How are we?
0: We are good. We are good. And how goes the lockdown for you, lads?
1: Well, not much has changed since the last time I think we were on this podcast. Still in lockdown, still not enjoying it, still no live football, but Premier League coming up this weekend, so we'll make do.
0: At least we'll have something to watch. And today, we will also be introducing a very special guest on the podcast. We have Western United player himself, Stephen Lustica. How are you, mate?
2: Hey, mate. Thanks for having me on.
0: Not a problem, mate. We welcome you to the Smashing Crossbar podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks. Very happy to be on and looking forward to having a good chat.
0: All righty, lads. So, Jay, Leb, would you like to start off with our very first question of the night?
1: uh i've i've had a burning question for steve ever since you know you, you said we could jump in on this podcast and it looks like from social media diamante's the biggest joker in the in the western united <laughs> dressing room i just want to know is that all a show is he really the biggest joker or is there really someone that's pulling all the strings back there
2: yeah no 100 percent have to be diamante definitely the joker of the team um you know he he is great value. Um, ever since he 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 came to the club, um, yeah, he's been a good laugh, especially now in in the two month lockdown that we were, you know in the hub that we were together in in Melbourne in in Sydney. Sorry, it really came out. Um, all these jokes, all these pranks, and we had a really good laugh with him.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, how could you not? Like I I mentioned prior to going live tonight, guys, just. I might not be your Western United supporter, but even I follow Diamante on Instagram because some of the stuff that he comes up with is amazing to watch.
3: Oh, he's an amazing character.
0: He's he's absolutely brilliant. But anyway, off off that topic, we'll um get into a couple of other little things. So, born in Canberra in 1991, we have here Mr. Stephen Lustica. has jumped around with a youth career at Canberra, the ACTAS. Sydney FC youth, and finally across to Gold Coast United, where you started your senior career. Moving across very quickly, um, you ended up going up to um, over to Croatia to Hajduk Split, a couple of loan spells to and from, back to Brisbane, and then being signed by Adelaide. But to, uh, in, in in my brutal opinion, the best the best part from what I've seen from you so far has got to be your reign at. Brisbane Roar, completely unknockable out of that first team over the time that you were there. Jumping across to Western Sydney. And then we end up moving back to Croatia with Inter. Uh, a very quick stopover in Uzbekistan before you joined up with Western United. Any key highlights in there, mate, that you'd like to talk about?
2: Yeah, obviously, you know I've you know a bit more experience now. I've been around a bit now. Um, obviously had the great experience in Croatia. Um, that was definitely a highlight for me going to play for for Heiduk Split at a at a very young age. Um, that was you know it's a club that I have a lot of passion for. I'm Croatian background. It's a club that I've always supported. Um, definitely be the one of the biggest clubs in Croatia. So going over there, you know, as a 19, 20 year old, 20 year old, um, was you know a really big deal for me. Uh, played in some really big games there. You know, we have they have some of the best best fans in the world at that club. So um, I actually made my debut against Barcelona with them, which was, you know, really, really, uh, you know, a dream for me. Um, and then played in a few big derby games as well. So that was obviously, you know, to start my career there was, you know, to kick it off there. Um, obviously, I had a bit of a few games with Gold Coast United, but that was more with the youth team there. Um, and then to get that experience overseas, um, in in Croatia was um, you know a real boost for me, um, so that was definitely a highlight. Obviously, winning winning the championship with Brisbane Raw was another another highlight. Um, and yeah, um, you know, continue now with Western United. We had we had a great first year, uh, just missing out on the finals. And hopefully, now we can build on that next season.
0: Absolutely, I think um, mentioning to the boys when we had them on the podcast the other week is that me and Josh were both very much in the in in the um. In the camp of if Western United can make the, sis, uh, make the six, we felt as um, Jet supporters that that would be a very successful season. But you just absolutely smashed it and went further on. I, I personally was rooting for you guys all the way. I wanted just to get to the big game.
2: Yeah, and look, uh, obviously, you know, we, our aim was obviously to get into the finals. Um, you know, we had to win a lot of games there. Um, we I think we had the most games out of, out of anyone uh, mm. post COVID in that hub so we had six games other clubs had three or or four games so we had to really back up and pretty much every game was you know a must win for us and you know we got, got into the finals um which was great but then once we got there um you know we smelt it and felt like you know we can we can do some damage in the finals and you know we won our first game against Brisbane got into the semi-finals and you know um you know we had a we had a really good game against Melbourne City in the semifinals, but unluckily, you know, we fell, fell a little bit short um, and just missed out on, on the final. But um, overall, you know, the club can be very proud. The boys can be very proud of, of uh, what we achieved in the first year.
0: 100%. Uh, Jay, Leb, any more?
3: Uh, so that probably moves perfectly into the question I was going to ask. I was just going to um, ask you what actually enticed you um about coming to western united and um how you first integrated with the squad uh, obviously because you came in mid-season and the players obviously had a bit more time to work together so um yeah how did your decision come along and how was it for you in that in those early stages
2: yeah, look, I, I finished my season in Uzbekistan, so I came back to Melbourne. Um, my fiancee is from Melbourne, so I was, you know, having a bit of a break in Melbourne um, on holidays a little bit, and yeah, the opportunity came up. Um, I spoke to the coach, Mark Rudin, um, and after speaking to him, um, you know, he told me what what his plans were, what he expect, expected from me, and you know, I um, I accepted. You know, I I really. Believed in, in in what he was he was creating at Western United um, and, you know, I wanted to be part of that. Um, and then, yeah, ever since I got there, you could see straight away, you know, the foundations were set straight away. Um, there was a winning mentality there, a lot of positive energy um, for such a new club. Um, you know, they were ambitious as well. For, for, for a new club as well. Um, so it all seemed to come together and, you know, I, I fit in quite well uh, pretty quickly and, yeah, really enjoy my time there um, in, in, in the first season, even though I did come, you know, in, in, in February. Um, I only played about three games and then we had the big COVID break. So, um, yeah, overall, I'm very satisfied and, and looking forward to building on that next season.
0: And there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we've just popped up in the chat one of the Newcastle Jets faithful, Luke Sports Gaming. It's come in. Breaking news, Diamante has won the Johnny Warren medal.
1: Fantastic. Yep, we just
3: saw that as well. We've got big <laughs> grins on our face right now. Yeah, That's right. You can have it. You can have it.
0: We'll, we'll gladly take goal of the season.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be honest, jet scoring goals is something of a rarity over the past couple of seasons. So if we had one banger that goes in for goal of the season, we'll take that.
3: Yeah, and look, it was a worthy winner as well. So we have no complaints here.
0: No complaints, beautiful. Yeah. Luke also comes in with a question for you, Steve, and that is, that what is it like to play in Uzbekistan?
2: Yeah, look, it was um, a different experience for me, um, having played in, in Europe and, and in Australia. Um, you know, that was the first time for me to, to go play in Asia, and it was, you know, it was actually um, a good experience, a great experience. Um, the league's pretty tough there, to be honest. Um, good quality players, um, they have some good foreigners there. Um, but, you know, uh, from a cultural perspective, it was very different, um, you know, a lot different to what I what I was used to, um, you know, living in Croatia on, on the Adriatic coast, um, you know, living in Brisbane in Sydney, Bondi Beach, you know, it's a lot different yeah. than going to Uzbekistan, you could imagine. Um, so it was a bit of a culture shock for me, but, um, you know, it was a good challenge for me as well and um, I, you know, enjoyed my time there. Um our club was battling relegation when I got there and we managed to stay up, which was which was the goal. Um, so yeah, we achieved that and yeah, look, it was it was a great experience for me. Um I spoke to a few few other boys um, previous Aussies played there before I went over. So I spoke to a few of them and they gave me a bit of an insight on what I could expect there. And overall, you know, I didn't know what I was sort of going into, but in the end I was um, you know, I look back on it as a great experience, a great learning experience for me and um had some good memories there in my short time there
0: and now like the rest of us on this podcast you've migrated across into the western suburbs of melbourne i bet you that was an experience too <laughs> yeah no look uh, <laughs> melbourne
2: melbourne's a one you know great place to live so um i've got um like i said my fiance's from melbourne so it sort of um it worked out well for me um i'm a canberra boy um but you know I've, i left canberra pretty young to chase my footballing dreams uh, just because you know there wasn't really no a club in canberra no real um opportunities when you get to a certain age so um you know, I've been out of Canberra for a while now, but I'm uh, very, very happy and settled in Melbourne now.
0: Very good. And I'm spo- I suppose that's something we could chat about uh, later on in tonight's podcast. Maybe we can all discuss the viability of a, um, a team, an A-League team in Canberra.
2: Yeah, most definitely. You know, I think um, it's, it's time that Canberra do get a team. I mean, they, they've been talking about it for a while. And, you know, there's so many players that have come out of Canberra. Um, you know, um, former um, some great players. And, you know, it's a shame that there is no pathway for these players when they get to that, you know, 16, 17 years of age. They have to look elsewhere. Um, and, you know, I think Canberra definitely has to be next in line to, to get that team. Um, they've got all the foundations here. They've got the stadium. They've got the facilities. They've got the players. Um, you know, they've got, they've got a women's team. They've got a youth team. So, you know, it's, it's just about time that they, they get a senior team as well. And I think it's, you know... Hopefully, um, in the coming seasons, they'll get that.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's very much a, the main sticky point for me as to why Canberra should have its own A-league team. I mean, they only have to realistically do half the work. They, they've already got a good youth set up there. They've already got a women's team there, a strong and competitive women's team, I might add as well. Why not just, Why not just finish off the other half?
2: Yeah, well, hundred percent. Um, the foundations are there. So, mm. like you said, most of it's set up. Um, it's just about obviously getting the. I think they've got the the backing as well now. Um, they they got the investors on board. So, yep. you know, it's just about now uh, FFA accept, accepting their bid. I guess. Um, I think I uh, you know heard they they narrowly just missed out on the last time when Western United and and Macarthur were um were accepted. So Canberra were right in the mix then. Um, so it was unfortunate they didn't get in, but. Hopefully, you know, next time round they'll get the team.
0: Yep, 100%. Jay, Leb, what are your thoughts on a Canberra A-League team? Um,
1: well, like you said, there's already a strong women's team there. They've got the stadium there. They've got the Canberra Raiders. Um, I think the GWS Giants are playing a lot of games out in Canberra as well. So we've got every other code in Canberra. Why not have a proper footballing team out there? I think it's quite important to the game to have one in the country's capital as well. So. I'm all for it. I'm all for growing the game, and I think it's probably the best place to start, really.
0: 100%. Okay, so we've got Hayden Ellis here in the YouTube side of chat, and he's like, Steve Lustica, how is it shushing the Cove? It shows good passion and really backing the team.
1: Hayden, the boy's a legend. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, look, to be honest, it was a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of rush of blood, a bit of, you know, sort of... You know, the last minute goal. Um, they're they're giving me a bit of stick every corner, every corner we had there behind them. They were sort of um giving me a bit of stick. You know, I'm former wonder a player as well, so maybe they remember that. I'm not sure, but yeah, look, it was sort of one of those things that you know, instinct, I guess. Um, you know, rush of blood, excited to score, and they're right there, so you know, why not? Why not give it to them a little bit? Uh, it's all good banter in the end of the day. So um, yeah. Benny Jorgensen has always
0: come in. Betty Jorgensen is in. He's gone. What a night it was in Sydney.
1: Uh, Betty Jorgs was our one fan from the uh, Western Service crew that was able to travel. So he was the lucky one that was at the Sydney game.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, that, that was the only one of our only games that we had fans. So, um, yeah, it was actually good having having fans there for that game because the previous games and the ones after that, there were, there were, well, there were some games we didn't have any fans. And then in the finals, we had, you know, maybe a 1,000 or so. Um, but that 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 game, I think there was three or four thousand. It was, bit, it was a good atmosphere there because it was nice and close at Leichardt there. So yeah, it was good to have fans, especially um, you know in, in that in that in that um, period there was no fans at any of the game. So to have a bit of an atmosphere was good.
0: Seems yeah, like, um it seems like Western United as a club sort of they're they're a lot higher up there in their in their fan respect than than many other clubs. I would say is that. You know that the Western United players tend to thrive off of a a good and strong, and a loud supporter base.
2: Yeah, look, it's never easy, especially starting up a new club. You know, it's not easy to to attract fans and. and... Credit to Western United that they managed to do that. Um, when you look at the home games that we had, especially in Geelong, Ballarat, we were able to attract fans, and we've built a good fan base now. And, and you know, definitely, we're only going to build on that in the coming seasons. Especially now, hopefully, with with the stadium that's going to get built um, in the coming years. Um, you know, to see a packed out Western United Stadium will be something. Will be something that you know we can't wait for.
0: Jay, lead thoughts.
2: Yeah, Stevie's
3: hit the nail on the head right there. Um, obviously, being a new team, it's hard to get that core supporter base. But I think within the first season, we've done fantastically and been able to bring some great noise and some great atmosphere to the games. And um, the club's been very... You can tell that the club's been very grateful towards that as well. And they've been very responsive towards us for our work. And, like, we're very appreciative of everything that the people behind the scenes that the club have done too. So um, I think that's only going to continue to grow. And especially with a home base um, in the future, it's looking very promising and it's looking like we could become one of the loudest teams in the league.
0: Beautiful. Well, I've just done a bit of very, 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 very quick Googling, and which has brought me to the Western United page in that... Um, you guys have got members in every single state in Australia and across seven other countries, including New Zealand, Italy, USA, Hong Kong, Singapore, Norway, and Morocco. Well, didn't know Of how to feel yeah, all know how to places. <laughs> of all places, and you guys ended up finishing up with a membership total of 5,720, which for your first season is absolutely amazing. Considering the Jets every year, I think we pull in at about – anywhere around 10,000 a year, roughly in memberships. So for you guys to hit basically half that in one season is astro- an, an, an astronomical achievement.
1: Yeah, and I think making finals is only going to help that number rise as well. And it doesn't obviously doesn't help with COVID and not being able to go to the games because... You know, I reckon attendance would have been, you know, 10,000 plus at some of those, if we'd made, like, say, a home final, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, well, us play,
3: playing Melbourne City in the semi-final, I'd say that would have been sold out at Amy Park.
1: Oh, yeah, that would have been packed.
3: Oh, yeah. Well,
0: Amy, Amy Park's, what, 13 and a half, I think? Yeah, uh, 30. Th- yeah, 30 Yeah, 30, and yeah, a half. 30
3: sorry. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. What else have we got here? Uh, Benny, we've already answered that one, champion. <laughs> he's coming five minutes late i was i was reiterating ah yes he's reiterating that's all right speaking about the fans oh, did having no fans in the stadium change the way the team plays um
2: it's a good question um to be honest you know it is a weird feeling um but when i look back at the games i think it was still the same intensity we had the same you know same mindset going to the game Uh um, so, you know, I don't think it changed the way we played. Um, you know, it was it was a strange feeling, um, but once the game started, um, you know, I think it's it's you know football at the end of the day, and and we all went out there to win and, and play our own game. So, definitely, you know, you, you you want to be playing in front of in front of crowds, um, but in this situation, we obviously didn't have it. But um, look, looking back at it, it did definitely didn't change the way we played. But you know, the whole landscape obviously changed a little bit in terms of you know there was no atmosphere. Um, you know, maybe maybe the game would have gone different ways. You know, especially when when you have you know crowd getting behind you or behind a certain team, um, it can change or have an effect on the game. So, you know, in hindsight, maybe other games the games would have gone in a different direction if there were crowds behind the behind the teams. Um, you know, I'm not going to know that, but um, yeah, looking back, you know, it was it was a it was a different experience, a um, bit of a weird feeling, I guess, um, playing in front of no, no no fans. You know, you could hear you can pretty much hear everyone. You could hear the coach on the sidelines. You could hear all the players. So usually, when you're playing in front of a crowd, you can't hear anything. Um, so you know, it had 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 its positives, but obviously also a lot of
0: negatives as well. Uh, but overall, look, it was it was you know a
2: great experience, and we're just happy, to, obviously, to be playing football and finishing off the season.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think I think the one thing that I noticed um, coming out of the COVID break and coming back into well, what we could call the, the rest of the season is that it seemed like some teams, especially Sydney, um, to quote off the top of my head, they sort of, like the fans really, not having the fans there really, really affected them. It was almost like the first 10 minutes of the game was, was quite cagey. Both sides didn't know how to come at each other sort of thing, but there's almost like sort of that mindset of, you don't hear the fans. So the brain starts to think that it may be sort of like a training match or whatever with the bibs on and sort of thing until something happens. And it's like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. This is a game. We are playing for points again.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, You know, uh, like I said, looking back at it, you know, at times it did feel like, you know, especially when you're walking out, um, the the strangers was probably walking out, you know, walking out and you walk out in your separate tunnels. Um, Hmm no fans there, so it did feel like a bit of a trial game, um, but look, once, once the game kicked off, um, our minds were just focused on, on the game and not really focusing on anything else, but definitely into the lead-up into the game, the warm-up, um, walking up before, prior to the game, was, it you know, felt like a bit of a trial game, but yeah, look, once, once the game started, um, you know, we only had one mind on their jobs, and that was to play and, and, and to win.
0: righty, 100%. I'll move into my next question, which is um, Luke, Luke, sports, gaming, mate. Settle down. You, you can't take all my questions that I've written down, mate. <laughs> We've got here in the chat from Luke and myself as well. Was my next question, and that is, how is Mark Rodan as a coach?
2: Yeah, look, very, very, very good. Um, to be honest, um, obviously I came in mid-season, um, so um, looking back on it now, you know, he he did a fantastic job um, getting you know, getting a, a team from scratch basically, and. and and assembling a team and seeing how far we went, um, you know, he's got very, very demanding. He's got his um, his system that he, that you know we all know what he wants from us. Um, but also, he's very, very positive, very, very positive as a coach. Um, gives us good feedback, and yeah, he's 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 got that winning mentality that that we all shared um, in the end, and we are all on the same on the same wavelength um and yeah um obviously you know he had a great season at, at Wellington set the foundations there and that's why also they had great success um now this season as well because you know he left them in, in good in good shape as well mm-hmm. um but look it's never easy starting a team from scratch and, and and Mark obviously did that and and you know at the end of the day we we won one one game Away from the final, um so yeah look like i said we're 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 looking forward to building on next season and, and seeing 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 how we can improve mm-hmm.
0: Jay lab thoughts
1: um, I had a very similar question along the lines of uh, not just Mark Rudin but um, obviously with the whole club going into lockdown and um you know going into the hub, um, how was Mark Rudin in sort of Keeping all the boys gelling together, you know. Obviously, a lot of a lot of you are away from your family and and friends, and that's probably not easy. Maybe for the younger lads, it's a bit easier, but for the older fellas, maybe not so much because they have families. How how did um not just Mark but the club act to sort of keep morale up?
2: Yeah, look, they were great. They were great towards us. Um, anything we needed, they were there for us. Um, they were in constant com- communication with us. Uh, Mark was always there. Um, you know. Anything we needed, he was—he was just, you know, a door knock away. Um, he, you know, he was there always. Um, you know, like I said, very, very positive, very positive with us. Um, even you know, if if there were some some days that you know the boys were flat or feeling you know a bit down or. You know which which does happen when you when you are away from your family. You know, and you you know you're, we're pretty much twenty four seven with each other for two months, and that's not easy. Uh, people probably forget that. Um, you know, usually when when we're back at home, you know, we train for an hour or two hours a day, and then you go back home for, for for the rest of the day with your family. Whereas this, we finish training and then we go back to the hotel and we're still together. We have breakfast, lunch, dinner together. So you know it can become a bit tiring. Um, you know you do get you know a bit frustrated sometimes and. And Mark and and the club were were, were great with that. They knew when, you know, when when to give us space or when, you know, they had a lot of activities as well that we did. Um, We had, like, table tennis tournaments, um, trivia nights. So they they made it fun for us, made it interesting. And to be honest, the time went pretty quick. Um, It wasn't one of those things that felt like time, you know, went forever. But it did go past pretty quickly. Um, And that was credit to to, to our coach and the club as well um, for for being very accommodating and you know everything was there for us in the hotel we just had to really just turn up and and train and eat and sleep and recover and you know everything was there for us so it made it made it a lot easier for for us
0: beautiful uh we've got CNA is cool here with a question and that is how far do you see Maxi Burgess going in football yeah maxi
2: had had a fantastic season um uh, he's got um a great future ahead of him. Um, you can see he really came alive towards the end of the season. Uh, scored a lot of goals for us um, and was one of our key players. And you know, if he keeps, keeps, um, keeps performing like that and keeps improving, um, I think he's got a great future. You know, he can. You know, they're talking about Socceroos now, and and you know, who knows, even heading over to to Europe or to overseas. Um, but as long as he keeps on doing what he's been doing up until now, keeps on training hard, I'm sure um, Maxi will keep on improving and, and you know, he'll, he'll reap the rewards.
0: Beautiful. All right. I just want to have a, a very quick chat about um, your national team duties there. So between the years of 2009, 2011, you were part of the Australian under-20s uh, lineup. What was it like to what – was, what was the feeling like to represent your country on, on, on the global stage at that level?
2: Yeah, obviously, that was um, a great experience for me at that age. Um, went to a lot of various different um, tournaments. Um, we had the Asian Championships. We qualified for the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, um, we had a lot of tours overseas to Europe, to South America. Um, so being a part of that, those those tournaments, those camps, was obviously very beneficial to my development as a player because you're exposed to much higher levels when you're playing international football. Um, so, yeah, looking back, that was... Um, a very important time in my development as a young player and definitely definitely shaped me as for the player that I am today. Um, looking back, you know, we, we qualified for the Under-20 World Cup um, in Colombia. I think that was in 2011. Unfortunately yep. for me, um, I was selected in that in that squad, but I, I just signed for Haydouk's Splitter at that time and my club wouldn't actually allow me to go. I think it was me and Matt Leckie were the two players that our clubs wouldn't release um, to go. So... <laughs> Um, I ended up didn't, didn't end up going to the World Cup, but that allowed me to uh, sort of, you know, make my debut against Barcelona, playing some big games um, for Haydouk's split and sort of cement my spot in the team there. Uh, but looking back, um, looking back out of it, definitely had a lot of good memories um, with, with the young
0: Socceroos. Yep, magic. Uh, lads. <laughs>
3: um, I've got another question. Um, oh, sure. So... You mentioned before that, obviously, you went to split and you were a split fan when you were growing up too. Are there any other clubs you follow closely and have any sort of connection to and support?
2: Um, to be honest, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I followed the NSL a lot, the old National Soccer League. Um, I, obviously, from Canberra, um, I, I, I supported Sydney United. That was my team. Um, obviously, with Croatian background, Sydney United, um, they were the closest to Canberra, so I used to travel up to with my dad from Canberra and watch City United uh, pretty much every home game they had. Um, So I was a big you know, I followed the old NSL back then um, when I was growing up. I was a big City United um, fan and actually Mark Mark Rudin was one of the players that used to play back then when I used to go up and watch him. He was one of the players and they had a lot of good players back then. Um, Like I said, you know, I was a big Hey Split supporter, but obviously, you know, I never, to be honest, I never had you know, uh, an EPL team or a La Liga team that, you know, I had really, really followed. I followed more players, more than, than clubs. Um, you know, I always watched, always watched the big games, always watched the big teams, um, but never had, uh, you know, an EPL team that I really, really supported. I always sort of followed the players, the players that I sort of liked. I'd watch them more and, and their clubs more. Um, so, yeah.
0: Off the back of that, who, who are some of those players that you tend to follow around?
2: Um, I liked Iniesta. He was, he was, he was one
0: of my favorites. Iniesta, Xavi,
2: um, Fabregas, when he was at Arsenal. Um, obviously, you know the Messis. Look at Luka Modric as well. He was, he was a big uh, one of my favorite players growing up as well. So, you know, I tended to always watch the midfielders more, as I was a midfielder. So, you know, you seem to follow them and 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 watch their games a little bit more than than other players, I guess.
0: Beautiful. Well, we've got one here from Ash the Train. What you cl- What youth club did you play for, and what was your path to being a professional?
2: Uh, my youth club club was called Canberra Deacon. Um, yeah, so I pretty much started there when I was six six years old, I think, all the way to about thirteen under thirteens. And then from there, I went to the the ACT state teams um, for a few years there. Um, I think it was ACT Academy of Sport. And then from there, I went. There was no there was no obviously no national um youth league team in Canberra, so I went to Sydney FC and then from Sydney FC I went to Gold Coast United. Um so that was my pathway from Canberra. Obviously when you get to that sixteen, sixteen years of age is, you know, you gotta look elsewhere in Canberra. So Sydney was my closest and then, then um I was involved with the various um national teams and then from there I went to yeah, Gold Coast United.
0: Absolute magic. Lads, anything else to add? Um
3: Funny you say that uh, you followed midfielders specifically um, and obviously you being a midfielder, it makes sense, but were there any other players in other positions that you really looked up to and kind of followed
2: as well? Uh, Obviously Messi. Messi was one that I obviously followed when he was really young, when he was about 17, 18. I remember watching him and, you know, watching him sort of go up the ranks. Obviously he's stands out that I, but yeah, like I said, I sort of, Tended to follow the midfielders more more than the defenders or, or the strikers, I guess. So, yeah, uh, to answer your question, yeah, definitely. You know, Luka Modric was one of my favorite favorite players growing up. Um, I remember I went to the under um, 2006 World Cup. I went with my with my dad. We went to 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 the 2006 World Cup in Germany, and, and we watched um, Australia against Croatia. Um, we watched a few other games as well, and I, we, I remember we went to watch a Croatian uh, the Croatian national team train. Um, a few times, and I remember looking at the Was about probably he would have been about nineteen or twenty years of age, and you know he was young kid, young 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 player back then, and he wasn't, you know, he was in the second team. He wasn't really. I think he came on a few games, and I remember watching him at training. And I go, wow, that, that guy's that guy's so good. He's going to be a top top player. And and the, <laughs> you look, you know, a few years later, he, he goes on to Tottenham and then Real Madrid. Um, so I remember from that point on, that's when I really started watch watch following his, his progress and, and watching his games.
0: Hundred I'd, percent. I'd take that hundred and fifty percent. He's always uh, been. He's always been a player that I've um tended to enjoy watching while he's on screen. Hundred percent.
1: Um, just as well. You've said you follow a lot of players. You've also um played a lot of time in Europe. Um, does that sort of style um like the players you follow and the and the game you play overseas, does that also translate to the way you play back in Australia? Like, how has that influenced the way you've uh, evolved as a footballer?
2: Yeah, look, you you, know, you'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hope it has. Um, definitely, you know, gaining experience, um, you know, playing against... Against those clubs overseas, you know, playing against Barcelona, I remember having to mark Messi. Ah, Messi, sorry, Iniesta. Messi didn't play in that game, but Iniesta did. I remember coming on and having to mark Iniesta for for 40 minutes. Um, and you know, as a 20-year 20 20-year-old 20 and someone that you know always always watched on TV and, and admired so much, um, definitely you pick up things. And you know, we have played in some big games. We played against Inter Milan at the San Siro in Italy, uh, Europa League qualifier and then even back back here in the A League there was a few big games we played as well we played against Liverpool um at Suncorp against um when I was at Brisbane Raw, sold out Suncorp stadium um, Arsenal came as well sold out here in Sydney um 83,000 so those were all experiences I took and and definitely um, you know when I look back on um, can be very proud that I was you know privileged to play in games and against such such great opponents
0: 100% well we'll take a question here now from the chat and it's, we'll take this one from Hayden, and that's what's your highlight of the season at Western
2: United? Yeah, definitely, definitely making the finals and and, and winning that winning that first um, playoff game against Raw, and then you know getting to the semi-finals. Um, you know, definitely, you know the the team was um, so together in that time as well. We're making the finals after every game, the way we celebrate, just winning a game with Western United, it's great. We, you know, we we have our team song after every game, and you know after every game we win it feels like we won a final and it's just great that passion that that, that the players have that the club has that the coaches have um everyone's together and, and to be honest I haven't really experienced that at the other A league clubs that I've been at um that real togetherness um that real passion to win and and really enjoy those moments when we do win um doesn't matter if it's just you know a normal league game or what it is we you know we we celebrate every game and every victory together and and be, being being part of those moments is is something that was was, was very special, and especially in this time as well, this this hard time in, in in the hub as well. It we made everyone even closer together, and and you know, able to make the finals and and, and get so far was um, something that we'll remember. And obviously, that will spur us on for next season to go that one step further.
0: Magic, hundred percent. All righty, I'll I'll bring up my next question. That is. You scored a couple of banging goals in your career and quite a few to add to the telly. What's it like to score against an English Premier League giant?
2: Yeah, look, that was was obviously a great, great, great feeling to score against Arsenal. Um,
0: Yeah,
2: you know, to score in any game is a good feeling, but let alone, you know, a game with 85,000 fans there and a team like Arsenal, obviously, you know, it was a great feeling, Um, albeit, you know, it was a friendly game, but it was a great occasion and, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it was definitely. So what, definitely, sort of, definitely what sort of what
0: sort of runs through your head when when you know you you've got the ball at your feet you look up, what sort of runs through your head at that point when you know you you're trying to put yeah, the ball in the back of the the net against a team like that? It's
2: it's hard to explain. The goal against Arsenal was an indirect free kick, so it was, it was a weird one. Um, I took the indirect free kick. I think it got blocked, or the keeper blocked it, or got blocked from a player, and then it came back to me, and I was sort of hit it first time, and it went in the roof of the net. So. Yeah, you, you don't think in those moments, you know, it's all reaction and instinct and yeah, obviously always happy to get on the score sheet especially against against a team
1: like Arsenal.
0: Beautiful. Uh um, we'll move to uh, you guys got a question? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I just had a question, quick question on the um topic of scoring goals. You scored a pretty late one against um Sydney. Is that the latest one you've scored to yes. win a game or
2: yeah, it would be the latest one I've scored for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: we were we were all going off at home in the Zoom chat, and we were all thirty. I think we were thirty seconds ahead, myself okay. and Caleb. So um, we we were celebrating. We were off and running down the street, and <laughs> and um, I think everyone else was a bit behind us. But uh, probably pretty lucky that we probably weren't at that game because we might have accidentally broken COVID protocols <laughs> and jumped the fence. So.
2: Yeah, no. Look, that was a, that was a great night, and especially the, we had a lot of young players playing that that game as well, and. To see them come in like that and, and really, really perform well and it's, you know, a great, great sign for the future. We've got a lot of great young players coming through through the club and definitely the, the club's in good hands with, with the youngsters coming through.
0: And we'll move on to the next one and that is Matty El, uh, Eldridge comes in with a very interesting question and that is, who is the most annoying player you've played with and against?
2: Uh, annoying? Uh, now you put me on the spot. Uh. <laughs> To be honest, Diamante now in the the hub, it was funny because I I brought a coffee machine with me um, to the hub. So I had a coffee machine in in my room and Diamante likes his coffee and he 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 was messaging me you know in the morning early when I was still sleeping because I would I'd make the coffee but he always wanted to come to me for a coffee because he liked the coffee that I made and so he he was messaging me when I was still asleep and he was knocking on my door to making him my coffee so he he was <laughs> came a bit annoying sometimes to be honest always asking for a coffee um but yeah I would have to say Diamante was a bit annoying to be honest um with <laughs> his coffee demands
0: I was about to say just give him a mask and a key. Yeah. Off you go right, mate, yeah. go make it yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and and the most annoying player you've played against.
2: Uh, I'm
0: trying to think now. Um
2: Not too short, to be honest, against um well, there's a lot of lot of lot of players now that can no one really comes to mind to be honest. No one really sticks out to be um, you know, maybe someone like a show would be annoying, but luckily for me, I've always had him had him on my side. So, um, yeah, I can't really think of anyone to be honest. Magic lads, anything to add?
1: Uh no, nothing, nothing from us.
0: Nothing from you guys now. All right, I'll move on to my next question. That is, how hard is it getting out of Victoria and getting into New South Wales for the hub?
2: Yeah, that, that was a crazy, crazy there was, time. There was a honestly. lot going
0: we, on in the media about it.
2: Yeah, I think we tried two or three times and we got on the plane, got on the tarmac um, and then we, you know, we got told to go home. So that, that was crazy, to be honest. A really crazy time. Um, very frustrating time as well. Uh, there's a time there that... There was a few players that were in certain hotspots in Melbourne and, and there were players that were in hotspots. So I was in one of the hotspots and all the players that were in hotspots, the club got them all out of the hotspots and put them in hotels. Um, so at, you know, for a week or two, we were, we were living in a hotel, a few about five, six or maybe ten of us, um, and still training in Melbourne. Uh, but we weren't allowed to be in the hotspot. Um, so we had to sort of pack up our bags and pretty much go and live in a hotel um, and then we got separated as well when we went to Melbourne the first time. The players that were previously living in hotspots, they got put on a bus, and then the other players that were in hotspots, they went on another bus and they went to the airport. And us players that were living in hotspots, we didn't we didn't know what was happening. We we're gonna we weren't allowed to, allowed to travel. So um, I think we we're gonna maybe drive up and try to get past the border that way. It was just a complete mess to be honest. And no one knew what was happening um so yeah it was it was a crazy time, but luckily, I think it was third time lucky we got across
0: yeah that that, that seems a bit rough, especially when you know you've got people like the Victoria I don't want to really bring politics into it, but the Victorian government saying, uh, right, do it yourself sort of thing, and the clubs try to scramble to get players I think victory had i think was it who was it was it victory or city that had the problem as well they they couldn't get players out.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, because I think City as well had players um, in hotspots, and it was us three clubs together, so we we're on the uh, on the plane together as well. So, mm. yeah, it was a, it was a big mess, but luckily in the end it got sorted out. Finally,
0: hundred percent. All right. Well, uh, anything for you guys to add?
1: Uh, no, not at the moment. Not for that one.
0: Not From that one, beautiful. All right. Luke Sports Gaming comes in. What's the best goal that you think you've scored? That one's for me,
2: is it? Yeah? Yep. Yep. Um yeah, I'm just trying to think. Those I remember my first goal for Hadook Split was, was a good one. Um outside the box. Just a good 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 shot from outside the box. Um there's a couple in Brisbane, a few long range shots as well. Um yeah, probably couldn't pick one, but um yeah, I'll I'll probably say the one for Hadook Split, um, especially being the first goal for the club in front of the home fans was, was a special one.
0: And that's what you want. Always love a good, good home goal in front of your fans.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. Especially over there, the fans—you can imagine how fanatical they are and crazy. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that was um, definitely, definitely um, a highlight. One
0: hundred percent. All right, uh, we've got one here from A Dogs, and that is—is is Barisha that much of a practical joker?
2: A practical, yeah, but he like look on the field. Bessie is he's he's 100% serious, you know, disciplined, professional. One only, you know, he's he's there for one reason only, and that's to score goals two reasons to score goals and to win games. Um, but off the field, you know, he, he's a normal guy, a nice guy, caring, loving guy. Um, likes to have a joke or two as well outside the field. But look, when it comes to football, he's 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 serious, here. there's no mucking around with him. He's there to win games and to score goals, and you can see that's why he's been so successful um, in the A League. That's why he's scored so many goals because of his, you know, his, his determination, his discipline, his his, his winning mentality. And um, you know, it's good, especially for the younger guys, to see see that as well. Um, to see that that mentality that he brings to every training session and every game. Um, so yeah, look off the field, he's 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 a he's a nice guy, a joker, uh, but on the field, he's 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 there's there's no mucking around.
0: And that's one thing I've always enjoyed about Bezart Barisha. as much as, you know, he's played on opposition teams and, you know, you love to hate him as an opposition supporter. At the same point as well, you can't fault the bloke for the amount of passion that he plays with. That's one thing I've always given him a testament to, is that his passion when he plays on the pitch is second to none. That and the other third thing that he's good at is being caught in Nigel Bogart's pocket. <laughs> every hey, every single time. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Nigel is a good defender. Very, very I played with him in Adelaide. He's a top bloke, and he's a he's a very hard defender as well, so it's never an easy battle. Um doesn't matter which play comes up against him, he's always gonna have a tough time against Nigel.
0: Dead set. He's a dead set legend. Uh Benny Jorgensen goes, I was about to run down from the hill and join you all. <coughs> <laughs> uh, I spoke to Brendan White once, who said Barisha was crazy in training at Brisbane. Has the old man mellowed in his old age? That one's from Ash the Train.
2: Nah, look, I think he's even become pretty, maybe even more intense now since he's gotten older, to be honest. I don't think he's, because I was with him as well in Brisbane. Mm. Um, and uh, he, he hasn't mellowed at all, to be honest. Uh, if anything, he's got more, more hungry and more determined to win and score goals.
0: And that's, and that's what you want heading towards the, you know, your late 20s, early 30s, that's what you want. You you still want that, hung, that hunger and that fight, even though the body might not be what it was the two to three years prior to that. You, you want yeah. that sort of fire and that passion inside you to fuel you and make you do extraordinary things with your body to put those balls away.
2: A hundred and, percent.
0: And the young guys can see that as well. So...
2: You know, he sets the example and and the younger guys can see that you know that's what it takes to, to 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 get to that level and to win trophies and to win games and score goals and and that's why he has won so many trophies since he's been here in australia um uh, so it's it's you know it's great for the younger guys as well to, to see that mentality that he brings brings um you know I don't think there's enough of it here in australia um and it, you know more players like that I think it's going to be better for for, for the league and the development of of, of the younger players
0: 100 percent uh, we'll move now on to the next question, and that is, if there was something to change, if there was something to change about the club, what would it be, and why?
2: Oh, that's a hard question, to be honest. It's, it's especially as a new club, there, there's not much to change. Um, you know, um, obviously now that they're. they're they're working towards building the new stadium. So once that's sort of um, settled, then, you know, obviously it was a bit challenging um, this season because we played at a lot of different venues as our home ground. So we didn't really have one home ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, moving forward next season, hopefully we can have, you know, maybe one home ground that will be ours. Um, so, yeah, looking, yeah, moving forward, probably I would say that we'll be looking forward to having our own home, um, not, you know, playing in Geelong and Ballarat and, mm-hmm. and different venues. Um so, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to having our own home ground. And, obviously, once a stadium a is built, that's going to be um, very exciting.
0: Uh, did, did you get to play in all three venues? You yourself? No,
2: I only played in, in Geelong. That was the only venue I played in.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. GMHBA. Yeah. Been there as a yeah. supporter. And when we, cause when the victory always get it as their home away from home, for some reason, they always manage to pick the Jets to have that game. And it's an absolutely terrible stadium to watch football in.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's far away. It's, it's not really a football stadium. So, um, to be honest, when the I played there, the field, the ground was quite good. Hmm. The grass was good. But obviously, yeah, it doesn't have that footballing um, atmosphere that, that you want, that you get at, a, at an Amy Park, let's say. Yeah.
3: It's a good stadium. But, yeah, it's an AFL stadium. That's yeah, what it's, it's designed for. It's great for AFL games. But, yeah, when you come to other codes, it doesn't, doesn't live up to it.
0: Is that one of the reasons why you guys moved your supporter group from where it initially was?
3: Um, actually, you, that were, was the you club. were behind the goal, weren't you? Yeah, we were. We were initially, and the club um moved us. Um, and I think it was to engage uh more other just normal fans that were sitting around the sides to get involved in chants and um uh, have the opportunity to walk over to the active and join in. So just mm-hmm. to give um yeah other people who wouldn't be in that um wouldn't be in the active with us, the chance to experience it and see what it's like and get everybody a little bit more connected.
1: I think that all stemmed from the first victory game because we had the active support area right next to pretty much two bays of just regular supporters. Yep. And um, after we beat victory, we had pretty much the three full bays it going absolutely at- nuts. It and the all whole became thing
3: active, was, so essentially.
1: Yeah. And I think they wanted to try and bring more of that sort of vibe to uh, you know, the week
0: support. in week out home games. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, have you had any in in your time as a footballer, Steve, um have you ever had any chance
2: made for you? So any chance made for me? Yeah. In terms of what what do you mean by that?
0: Uh the the active support base, if they ever made a Oh, Either a, chant, a funny sorry. or a yeah, chant, yeah.
2: yeah. Sorry, I didn't, I misunderstood you. Yeah, in oh, Brisbane, oh. I remember had had a chant in Brisbane. Um, I can't remember what it was, but um, I think it was just like a lustica, lustica, and they sort of got louder and louder. I remember that one. Um, we'll yeah. make something
1: a bit better for you, mate.
2: I was about to yeah. say, it
0: was, it was brought up <laughs> earlier in chat that maybe you guys could rework the um, Valentino Yule chant. yeah yeah. what do you think of that one
2: i think it works yeah that one works well yeah Yeah, that's the
0: one we use for roy o'donovan okay
2: yeah (laughs) all
0: right so before we get on to our next question we are joined in chat by the man himself welcome joshy boy how are you there guys welcome how'd you go mate
4: apologies Oh, mate, seriously, what a nightmare that was. Um, come home to a pool of blood and the dog just sort of sitting there dripping. It wasn't um, it was eventful, that's for sure. So rush him down to the vet and he'll um, stay overnight, obviously, and hopefully he'll get fixed up and hopefully pick him up tomorrow. So, yes.
0: say how's to yourself tonight, mate? Hey? How's to yourself?
4: No, 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 no. It's been oh, a hectic friggin' day, mate. I had to, pick a, had to pick the wife up from hospital today and then friggin' So from work to hospital, to we'll pick her up, then pick Amelia up, and then obviously come home to a pool of blood from the dog and then back down to the vet. If only just sat down for the first time of the day, I think. So, <laughs> But, yeah, no, thank, thanks
0: for me in the fort, mate. Muchly appreciated. appreciate it. That's all good, mate. I hope I've uh, lived, lived up to the high expectations.
4: Uh, I was going to say how they treated you, Stephen. All right,
2: mate? Yeah, no, they've been great.
4: They've been <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. Not nah, too easy, mate. Well, I'll, I'll sit back. I'll sit back, Ben.
0: Continue on, mate. Continue on. All righty. Well, we're we're gonna let um Stevie Lustiger go in the next say five to ten minutes. We'll start wrapping things up for you guys over there at All Out West. Have uh, any more questions you'd like to ask?
2: Yeah, I've got
3: one. Um, we've talked about big personalities in the dressing room, but um, I want to know what Stevie's opinion on who's probably the mo- the quietest person, uh, the quietest player in the dressing room, the a m- more reserved person.
2: Uh I'd have to say some of the younger boys, uh, to be honest. Uh Luke Giselle, um, Cavallo, uh yeah, look, some of the younger boys. Um, obviously you have you got a lot of big personalities in the team like show like Diamante, um Durante. Um so they're sort of look the leaders, let's say, um, in terms of, you know, a lot of talking, a lot of banter, um, the loud ones. Um and then you have you know, the younger guys are a bit more a bit more quieter, obviously. Um, that's normal as well. So, yeah, let hopefully they're 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 soaking it all in and, and learning and learning from from these guys. How's Ryan Scott in the dressing room?
1: Beat me to that question. <laughs> yeah, he,
2: he's good value, very good value. <laughs> you, you would have seen a lot of a um, lot of the um, post match um, interviews that he was doing um, yeah, with the cameras, and yeah, Ryan <laughs> Scott is there. Yeah, he's he's great value to be honest with the boys. Um, great laugh, great banter really good good bloke and a really good guy to have around the dressing room, um even though you know he, he, does, he does, he's not playing obviously um he's you know the second keeper and but he's you know it's like he's playing every game he's there supporting the boys um and really good value for the for for the team
0: I suppose yeah, it's really awesome. good even as a even as a second choice keeper, and even knowing that that is you know sort of your role at the club have sort of gone, hey, how about you do something you know it's good that it, they're finding ways to get him like involved more and yeah, sort of and, establishing that culture. Well,
2: Scotty's a great keeper as well. Uh, he came in one game against Adelaide. Um, and mm. I think we won. We won yeah, that we game 5-1, so. yeah. and he had he had a great performance as well. So, you know, Scotty Scotty's ready to go as soon as if he's called upon, he's ready to go, and he'll he'll put in a great shift as well. He's a great keeper and and you know um, a quality guy as well. So, yeah,
1: so, great um, great guy to have around. Both Caleb and I made the away trip for for that Adelaide game. And yeah, that was probably one of the best games I've ever seen of football live. So we were absolutely wrapped with that result. Couldn't have gone much better for us there. Yeah, and
2: that's right when after that, that's when COVID um, stopped. So that's when the, the league stopped. So we're really on a on a good run of games there as well. But luckily for us, we, we managed to, you know, the biggest question everyone had was, can we, you know, post-COVID, can we... Can we continue that form and and you know we answer those questions and, and put in some great performances as well. So that was really pleasing to see that we could you know, even though it was a good three months three months break from that game, um, we're able to continue on with that form that we had.
0: And and off the back of that, I'll I'll, I'll ask what your opinion is on this as well. In in your time here in Australia in the A League for the for the various clubs that you you, I dare say that you've played a game in just about every single stadium that the A League has to offer. Which one do you think personally has got the best atmosphere?
2: Yeah, look, you can't go past you know Amy Park. Um, you know when you play against Victory, a full full stadium with Victory. Um, look, even Highmarsh offers a, a great atmosphere when they when they got their fans um, there because it's a great little stadium there, um, nice and close close um, to the field. Um, but yeah, look, you know Amy Park. You know, even back to be honest, back when uh, Wanderers were at Old Parramatta Stadium, that mm-hmm. that was a very hostile atmosphere to go to, and mm-hmm. and very um, that was probably one of the best atmospheres as well. I remember I played a semi final there with Brisbane Raw against the Wanderers, and and that that atmosphere, that was a packed packed um, stadium that that night, and the atmosphere that they they brought to that stadium was was uh, pretty special. To be honest, um, unfortunately for them, they weren't able to sort of. You know, when they got moved around a bit, they were at Spotless Stadium, and now even the new stadium they got got now is, is would have to be one of the best stadiums in Australia now for football. But you know, you know, they haven't been able to sort of replicate that that atmosphere they had at Parramatta Stadium. Um, so yeah, there are a few, quite a few few good um, um, atmospheres and stadiums around in the A League, but definitely, you know, a victory um, the old Parramatta Stadium was was quite good as well.
0: I think personally, for me, and I think um, Josh would tend to agree with me on this one. When we did our away day to to Adelaide, yeah. Coopers, like if it's yeah. not if it's not raining, yeah, and the sun's out, I tell you what, like when when the Red Army get going, they just pull yeah. everybody else around them into it, and even you as in a as, as a supporter in the away bay, that like when they start rocking and jumping around, that it's got to be one of the best atmospheres that I've experienced of a game of like football here in Australia that hasn't like, that hasn't been like a soccer roos clash or a, or a, um, or a, or a Matilda's clash.
1: Well, our boys killed off that atmosphere pretty quickly when we were there. You could hear a pin <laughs> drop outside of where our supporters were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All righty. What have we got here? Um, is, uh, you think playing in winter improved the style of play in the league?
2: um look to be honest you know it's it's never easy playing playing in 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 summer sometimes especially when you know in hot days in perth sometimes you're playing in 40 degree heat um and definitely that 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 does affect affect the the style of the game or or the quality of the game um so yeah to be honest even now you know when we played the the game in the hubs it was obviously um a lot cooler the temperature at night time and you know, you do feel like you—you you got your lungs are bigger. You can run, run longer. You can run faster, just because of, you know the weather's nice and fresh. Uh, so yeah, definitely. You know, in, in summer when when you're going to Perth or Brisbane, it, it's never pleasant sometimes in those in those hot conditions. Um, so yeah, look, it could be an option moving forward. Um, you know, obviously they still haven't confirmed for next season when it's going to start. Um, but yeah, definitely the winter competition yeah, could, could be could be a good option for them.
0: And I suppose playing in and living in Victoria now is probably the prime place to be able to play the football for the simple fact that Victoria is the only state in the world where you can get all four seasons in one day.
2: Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right as well. Yeah, you can one hundred percent. You know, you got the sun sometimes, then it rains, and then 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 and the sun comes back out again. So um, yeah, look, we're, we're fortunate as all well in, in Sydney, we're right on Coogee Beach now, um, so the sun was out every day. We had some really good good weather there, um. Uh, so very fortunate that we're in a great spot now, um, in this period.
0: I could just imagine it, like the the sun lounge on the outside of the hotel. You've got Dia there with his coffee, his shades, no shirt on, and a tan.
2: Yeah, you could well, just imagine not, it. That, that was pretty much his ritual every day. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: And then probably Instagramming here and there, setting them up, waiting yeah. to go. Yeah. What have we got here? Um, your thoughts on bringing in a second division?
2: Yeah. Look, I've always been been for it. Um, definitely think it it'll be a positive move if if they can get that get that happening. Um, I don't know when when that's going to be possible, but you know there's there's been talk about it for a while now, but definitely moving forward i think i think australia needs that that promotion relegation system where you know teams feel that pressure of being you know the bottom half of the table uh, because and it's definitely going to improve the quality as well because you know i've been in those situations overseas as well when you, when you're fighting to stay up and it's a totally different ball game when you know that there's something on the line you, you know you don't want to get relegated and um, definitely moving forward i'd love to see that in australia i don't know when when that that that, that that's a possibility but Hopefully, FFA can, can work towards that and, and make that happen.
0: Easy done. Uh, lads, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think it, I think it's crucial for um, the growth of the game in the country that we have a second division at the least. So, um, but there's still a lot of work to be done to implement that sort of thing and to bring in new sorts of teams and bring in the structure. So I don't think it's right around the corner, but I think it's something that we can look forward to in uh, the, let's say, medium term.
1: Yeah, I think financially we need to have a good backing so clubs don't go under because that would just be a catastrophe if you have clubs getting relegated like, you know, um, Newcastle Jets or, God forbid, Newcastle Jets or, um, you know, the Mariners and then the club goes under and they can't come back up. Um, So I think the financial backing would be pretty important for that. But once that's all sorted, um, I think, you know, it's pretty much crucial that we have a second division.
0: I think for me personally, the big thing about that is even before you look at the finance side of things is that the structure to be able to bring that in needs to be rock solid. It needs to be gone through with absolutely every single club. And then once we have a concrete structure, you've got you've got to find that balance in that structure where it's not going to fail and that clubs aren't going to be significantly financially hampered by that to then have no other option but the, but to then fold. I mean it, it's part and parcel. Part the core and the structure needs to be solid and the financial backing behind it as well. Yep, exactly. Joshie Boy, care to weigh in.
4: Yeah, look, as I said, it's something that um yeah, everyone's obviously talking about obviously in that regards and um yeah, look I think these guys have pretty much summed it up in general. Um yeah. Look, as I said, it's it's a topic we could be sitting here talking for three hours, four hours about in in, yeah, in hindsight. So um I think I think James actually put in a question in the Facebook side there, Ben. I don't know if you can see that. Um oh, I did have it up.
1: Never go for
4: Got it? I think yeah, I, I think do, he was yeah. talking about stadiums. I think he was talking about going backwards into the stadiums for um, Yeah.
0: yeah.
4: into Pacific. Do you want to read that one in?
0: Yeah, speaking about playing in AFL NRL stadiums, what are your thoughts about using specifically smaller football stadiums to increase atmosphere and development of a football club? For example, say something like a Sydney United. I'm guessing yeah, you referring to that. Yeah, like yeah. Art look, Oval or something.
2: Definitely, you know, we want to be playing football stadiums, um, even if, if it is in smaller venues. Um, a perfect example was when we played against Sydney FC in Leichhardt there. There, um, hmm. that stadium was perfect for for that for that occasion, or even for an alley game. Um, nice and close. I know they played rugby there, but it was you know nice and compact. Um, the fans are right there. Um, you know, sometimes you only need a 10,000 seater stadium for for some matches, and yeah, you, know, you want to be playing in those football football stadiums. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, I know the Western United one that they they have planned is 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 built specifically for football, a small stadium, not too big. Um, and, and I think that's moving forward. That's what a, a- league team should be um, striving to to have is just, you know, little boutiques, football stadiums.
1: Well, we were just watching um, a couple of days ago, Brentford, uh, was it Brentford, I think, have just opened their yep. new stadium over in England. And that's going to be, and it's exactly the same size as what Western United's is going to be. And they're fighting for promotion to the Premier League. so. Um, to see a stadium like that, big clubs playing like that at a small stadium. Obviously, there were no fans there, but I think the atmosphere of a stadium like that will be absolutely rocking. I was about to say, so they played, I, I reckon they reckon played a game possibly there possibly be the best, best stadium atmosphere-wise in the league if, you know, we get a yep. really good derby going there.
0: I was about to say, Brentford played a game there yet?
1: They've played a Carabao Cup game there.
0: Okay, no worries, because we played them first game of the season. Yeah, they beat Wiccan 1-1. I think they
3: won Penal, no,
4: on, on penalties. Or two on penalties. Yeah, they
0: beat Wigan, Money. All right, yeah, so we're going to get smacked. Um, <laughs> all right, so we've got here. Um, do you enjoy playing in and against Newcastle Jets?
2: Yeah, i always enjoyed playing against them, of course. Um, they've got a great, great stadium there in Newcastle. Um, great supporters as well. So
0: when it's they always show.
2: a. It's always, but to be honest, they've always got um, good support. Every time we've played there in Newcastle, they've got, um, it's quite a loud stadium as well, to be honest, even though it's a big stadium. Um, it's always, they always um, have a lot of noise in there and always a nice pitch. Um, and yeah, always enjoy going to Newcastle uh, to play. Yep,
0: 100%. Joshy, you, you came in with something there. Would you like to uh, express that in a bit louder so everybody can hear
4: what when when they show up? Yeah, when, we when the fans, fans. <laughs> when the fans show up. <laughs> I just um, yeah yeah as I said that's a it's a it's a raw topic of mine. As I said, I've been a fan of the mm. Jets since day one, and I remember we had some out, fickle ones packing out stadiums, and obviously you know packing out the stadium, and the bays, and everything else. And now it's just sort of you know we've 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 had a few too many forever sevenths, and um, the fans just yeah it's, it, they're struggling. We're struggling to come back, unfortunately. So um, hopefully we can turn it around. Obviously, we've, under Carl. So with Carl, it would be fantastic to see and bring back the fans, obviously, with some good results, like the back end of the season. So, yeah, other than that,
0: mate. Uh, what's this? Saw that the Jets were offered to South Melbourne and Central Coast Mariners were offered to Sydney Olympic. What? Yeah, right. Oh, well, we'll, we'll just state the same thing that we state every week, Josh. We don't, our podcast is not dealing rumour. Absolutely. We don't do rumour, we want facts.
4: Absolutely. It'll never happen.
0: Yep. And if it did come out as fact, then we'll tell you about it. Yeah. I don't think they'd be willing to put another uh, Victorian-based
1: club in anytime soon. Yeah, no chance. No, I I think think we're we're done for a little bit.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he's about enough. Uh, Three three is plenty. Maybe maybe give Canberra or, um, you know, the likes of Perth or something like that, another sort yeah, yeah uh, we were
0: jackals. discussing we were discussing yeah. earlier about the viability of a um Canberra side being that Steve is um from a Canberra boy himself.
4: It needs to happen. It needs to happen. I'm surprised they 100%. still haven't. Don't understand why. no offence to Western United or obviously Western Uniteds and stuff like that, but Western Sydney Wanderers. Sorry. Um, Canberra had to come first. Surely, surely hmm. they had to be put in before
0: those two sides. And yeah, my big thing is half the job's already done.
4: Exactly. Exactly. They've got a girls' side. They've got the youth side. friggin' you know, the AIS was born and bred there. So, it, I don't know. It just needs to happen. Obviously, i do, I miss that if you guys were talking about it. Obviously, I'm sure yeah, Stephen would, would love to play, play for his boyhood town, obviously, in the A-League. Surely it's something that you would love to do.
2: Yeah, look, I've, I've been a big um, promoter of the Canberra team for a while now. And, you know, we touched on it a bit earlier. Um, you know, everything, everything's in place here. They've got the stadium, they've got the facilities, you know, they've got the W team, they've got the youth team. Um, a lot of great players have come out of Canberra, a lot of former Socceroo players, um, a lot of international players. And, you know, the, the players get to a certain age here, like I did, and players have to go elsewhere and look elsewhere uh, to pursue their, their footballing dreams. And it's a shame because there's a lot of, a lot of junior players that play football here in Canberra. Um and just in the end, there's no pathway for them, and you know, unfortunately, some of them end up giving up because there's no real, you know, um, not everyone gets that opportunity to go to another A-League club from Canberra. It's not that simple. Um, and the other thing is, other maybe clubs don't don't spot these these talents as well. So, um, definitely, um, hope hopefully, um, in the next coming coming seasons, um, if do decide to bring Canberra in, because I know that. They've got the right backers at the moment they've got the right investors on board and um they've got all the, everything in place um to 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 get that license
4: yeah absolutely i'm um I'm sure you'd definitely be be on the bandwagon even if it doesn't happen before your career ends obviously you'd be straight on the bandwagon to promoting it and getting it across the line I'm sure like a lot of other professional yeah. footballers obviously that are born and bred out of canberra um even obviously i suppose the Wollongong sort of area as well obviously yeah. you share and Wilkshire, yeah. your Chipperfields and stuff like that obviously down there, I'm sure it'd be busting their arse to yeah. make it happen.
0: So. 100%. There's, there's, there's more than enough um, voices and now investors behind the bid to get it off the ground and over the line. I don't see why not.
1: But no, anyway,
0: ladies and gentlemen, it has come to that time of the evening where we must say goodnight. It has been an amazing podcast and bit nerve-wracking to generally to be steering the ship properly for the first time but thank you for, to josh for giving me the opportunity to do that it's always good don't, fun don't thank me mate thank the dog i'll send you the bill <laughs> no don't send me the bill i'll um i'll um next time he needs a water bottle uh, a water bowl sorry let me know and i'll get him one <laughs>
4: no you've done well mate everyone in, everyone in the chat always thinks you've done a good job mate so happy days
0: well, as long as, they're, as long as they're happy, then I am happy. But we are going to say goodnight for, to our guests for the night. And we just want to say a big, big thank you to, before we do, a big, big thank you to our sponsors, Gabriel Omar, Optometrist in Jesmond, Eye Care Absolutely. Plus. Go over and see Lockie and Gabriel for all your Eye Care needs. We thank them very much for supporting the podcast.
4: And congratulations on 20 years.
0: Yes, 20 years in the business. They hit that milestone yeah. this week, right. today, today.
4: This today. time, twenty years ago, open the doors.
0: And I'd also just to like like to refresh everybody as well of what we started off the podcast with as well, and that is today being Are You Okay Day, Thursday, the uh, uh, Thursday the tenth of September. You don't forget, guys. A conversation could change a life, hundred percent. It's all well and good to ask your friend or family member or whoever it may be, are you okay? But You need to know what, if they do turn around and say, no, I'm not, you need to know how to respond to that question and where you can help them best. So please go out and check are you okay.org.au for more information about that. Absolutely, And we will now say goodbye to our guests. So we'd like to thank you very, very much, Stephen Lustica, for joining us on the Smashing Crossbar Podcast.
2: Thanks, guys. Really appreciate having me on.
0: Thank you very much. And we'll make sure to catch up with you later on, hopefully before the season starts back off again, so we can have a chat again.
4: Hopefully over a coffee or something. Hopefully we can get out of the house.
0: Well, yeah, if they let us out. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No absolutely. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, mate. Much really it. No problem. No problem at all.
0: And we'd also like to thank the lads from the All Out West podcast, Jay and Leb.
1: Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us, fellas. Always glad to
3: be on. No, it's uh,
1: guys. keep it a little more professional as well this time that we <laughs> we had a player on. We can't can't make asses of ourselves, so <laughs> oh, I,
0: I just stopped slamming the western suburbs. So <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, nah, too easy. So easy. I've just got one thing, obviously. Um next Monday we will be luckily enough joined by Daniel Garb. Obviously for those who don't know him, obviously you've probably been living under a rock like last last Monday night with um Adam Peacock on. Um former Fox Sports pundit, uh, knows his football, knows his stuff, uh, loves his loves his Liverpool, which is fucking fine by me. <laughs> and his out and his
0: outrageous oh, yeah. shirt. Button. And his outrageous shirt, and his outrageous shirt.
4: So we'll have him on Monday night, eight PM. Um, so I hope to see all you guys then, and obviously get your questions in for Garvey. Obviously on football in general, obviously and a uh, first result for the Reds
0: back to back. And we'd also <laughs> like to thank our other compatriot, and that is Joshy Boy.
4: nah thanks for having me, mate. Sorry, sorry it was so late. And <laughs> you know, thanks for, thanks for steering the ship, um, and thanks to obviously everyone who jumped in tonight. Obviously the guys on the. On the um, vocal side, on Discord, and obviously all the guys in the chat who have put through, obviously, plenty of questions, I'm sure, to you guys.
0: Yep, thank you very... I'd like to say a very personal thank you to the lads, that, lads and ladettes that are in chat on both the Facebook side and on the YouTube side. And before we do wrap things up for tonight, I'd just like to let everybody know that the podcast is now in an audio format. You can go and find it. At anchor.fm. You can find it on Spotify and you can find it on Apple Podcasts just by searching crossbar capers. It will find you and give you a link. If you're watching on YouTube, the links will be down below in the description. Go yes, we'll talk about we'll talk about that soon, Lukey Boy. I know. Um, yes, go subscribe to the podcast. If you are not watching on YouTube, go for a search on and have a look at either search the smashing crossbar podcast or crossbar capers, and you will find it. You'll also find Josh playing some FIFA on there as well and a bit of call of duty sometimes
4: absolutely no worries. let's get these guys off the air um, thanks for joining us thanks for Benno as always be sure to get check out Benno at corner flag games obviously playing his FIFA etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, Stephen enjoy preseason mate we'll catch you real soon
0: Thank you very much yeah, and out, and he's gone and just like that he dropped out so and he's dropped out but lads <laughs> as we always say What do we say? We hate <laughs> coast scum. We hate coast scum. Absolutely. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Care to join us? Care to join us, boys?
4: It's... All
0: right. We, we hate, hate coast
4: scum. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter who you support. At the end of the day, no one supports the coast.
1: Anyway, that's... I thought we were talking about City, but, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it translates. <laughs> it works. It works. It works. It hey, listen,
4: at least the Seagulls rock up to their games.
0: Yeah, true, <laughs> true. anyway All guys right. that's good, that that's got. we're gonna call that done we are going to <laughs> we are absolutely going to call that done ladies and gentlemen we are going to see you in the next one thank you very much for joining us guys we will see you on monday catch you then thanks fellas